0: Hello there! Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talk Back. The Sermon Talk Back is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text-to-pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com/slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Guys, joined today by Barrett Fisher, Jordan Coughlin, and I'm Blake Rogers. We're gonna spend some time, a little sermon talk back on yesterday's sermon uh, that Jason preached. Jason is out of town. So we have the privilege of sitting here without him to add our thoughts <laughs> Correct all uh, his to this sermon. Lazy
1: sentences, confusing thoughts.
0: There you no, go. I'm just kidding. There you go. It was a great message. Man, it was a great message. It's preaching is hard i think we can all just kind of say <laughs> that this is because true because we yes. don't we don't have to do it every week we get to do it occasionally and whenever those times come around it's very taxing it it's is. a lot of work a lot of preparation agreed you're putting yourself out there you're speaking on behalf of god yeah to god's people hmm. it well, is and you're having to thing.
1: decide
0: what to share
1: because yeah. there's so much so many things you could hit so many different topics uh, so many different questions to be answered, and I, I think that's that's one of the significant challenges of it. Is okay, I have you know thirty five to forty forty minutes. What am I to What am I going to say? But yeah. more importantly, what am I going to leave out? Where right. can What what trails can I not go down?
2: You I, have the added challenge of dealing with a book like Nehemiah that's in the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. That is somewhat foreign to us and is under the old covenant versus us under the new covenant, and and trying to apply it today. So, yeah, it's it's challenging.
0: Yeah, and to your point, Jordan, the thirty-five to forty-minute thing. I think some on staff are better at staying within that thirty-five to forty-minute <laughs> 40 window than others. And so you said it. I didn't. So, I, I, I think mean, my last sermon was personally
2: thirty-two minutes.
0: We weren't talking about you, Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. I'm trying. Okay, I'm trying. I get it. <laughs> But to your point, Barrett, I mean in a a passage written long ago yeah to a, to a particular people, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. How do we apply that hmm. today? And I think you know as Jason uh, preached a sermon he he sought to give many points of application, but I think the the fullest or the the best point of application came at the end, where in this passage where he's talking about Nehemiah. And uh, Nehemiah confronting these people who were exploiting others, um, essentially pointed us to Christ, who allowed Himself to be victimized mm. for us. And so it reminded me of a of a re- very helpful passage. Uh, all passages are helpful. So I hate when I say that. <laughs> but <laughs> more helpful than imp- other passages. A an important particularly, passage. Very, yeah. Particularly a, a, a yeah, that's right. A, a pertinent passage. passage. That's you know. right. Um for us, which is Philippians 2, and starting in verse 4, which says this, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. And so we have this explanation of our brother Paul of what Jesus has done: that Jesus, the the God of life, subjected himself to the very death that we deserve, that we have participated in, so that he could be later highly exalted and um, secure our. Um Redemption with him, mm. and so all of this being said that the the best understanding of this Nehemiah passage is found in Nehemiah, who is a type of Christ who would come, and in a sense the, this story is to whet our appetite for the fullness of the revelation of God in jesus mm. that's the, the That's the best understanding of this passage mm. now there are other things in this passage for sure. And we'll let Barrett figure all those out for us now.
1: <laughs> well, no, I did. I just love that, that, you know, and, and Jason does such a great job at ending sermons with how, how it is fulfilled in Jesus, because it it always gives us hope. Right. And, and so even a message like this, that can be convicting, can be challenging. Um, we're left with, remembering that that Jesus both sets the example for us, but more importantly, <laughs> is our savior is the mm-hmm. perfect one who, who did all these things. And now we are blood bought um, sons and daughters of God that now get to walk in his ways. And I think that that's where it's it's the freedom that Christ offers us and the invitation come and and walk in my ways. That mm-hmm. should be the motivation for us, you know, before we get into, OK, what what's right, what's wrong, you know, in this particular passage, like how much interest should I, you know, Exactly. Put on to yeah, yeah. someone else. Right. Uh, no, it's actually my impulse and disposition should be. I mean, Jason talked about living a generous life because God has been so generous to me, hmm. and and so even within the challenge and conviction, we're motivated by Jesus. Hmm. not just by this is something you have to have to do.
0: Right. And it's just laws and regulations. Yeah, that's that is a super helpful, Jordan. God has blessed us in Christ. Now, how do we live our lives as a blessing to others?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the key is right there in the passage you just read, Blake, in uh, Philippians 2, where it talks about the humility of Jesus. Um, you know, that's that's the key to living a generous life. You live generously when you care about others and when you put others' interests ahead of your ahead of your own, and you only do that when you take a humble position before God and before others. And so, I, I think if we follow Jesus in that we will we will find the way to live generous lives. Mm-hmm. Well, let's like
0: look at the text. I mean, obviously, there's you know a bunch of stuff going on in this passage. Uh, we we've obviously been in Nehemiah for what four weeks now? Five? Is this four five? I forget. I'm four, not preaching every week. Four so. or five weeks. Yeah. Four so five. four or five weeks, <laughs> and um, and you know, there's some some interesting things that that um, you know, we should bring out that that have happened here on the heels of what had happened in the previous weeks. Obviously, one of the things that J- Jason talked about were kind of the power dynamics in um, that were unfolding within the story mm-hmm. that Nehemiah sought to address. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, so he, he broke it up into the
1: three categories, those being exploited, those exploiting the poor and then, and then Nehemiah. Um, I think, you know, he, he just drew, he made a statement that I found particularly helpful in, in his first point, those being exploited. So, you know, if you, if you listen to the message, you know, you know, there's this situation that arises where the leaders in Israel, are exacting interest on you know the people of Israel uh, in in an unhelpful way, in a way that's causing suffering, and so those people kind of raise the concern. And Nehemiah uh, verse six, I was very angry when mm-hmm. I heard their outcry in these words. Uh, little shout out to I think righteous anger of of seeing something wrong happening in the right. world, and and we have a response of of righteous anger. This is not right. We we sh- we should not be doing this. Um, so there's this, you know, this is a group of people that are being exploited, but he, he made this statement. Um, it was kind of in passing, but he said, these are the people who Christ identifies with most, uh, Mm -hmm. meaning the exploited. And I, and I just thought that was such a powerful, uh, reminder of, of Jesus, both, like I said before, Jesus being our example, you know, so, Mm -hmm. so he's Jesus on the earth, Went to the poor, went to the sinner, went to the lame and the sick, uh, because he had compassion on them. Right? Mm. He he did. He could have used his power and authority for his own gain, but he didn't. He he humbled himself. He became a, a servant, and so mm. I think he sets a wonderful example. But then too, you know, to see the heart of Christ for us, mm. <laughs> who who are poor. Who are who are needy, mm-hmm. um, and and to remember that our Savior, the God that we serve, is the one who who doesn't exploit, mm. right? But who actually comes to us in compassion, and to to seek and and to save. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just it's such a beautiful picture because then, okay, how do I? as a, as a redeemed person now view the world around me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, if I'm following Jesus example, then I should be looking for those people and Mm -hmm. I should be pursuing those people and I should seek to extend mercy and compassion and grace to those people, both in the church and outside the church.
0: Yeah. One of the proof texts that, um, that i that comes to mind whenever you're saying that is uh, found in Luke five and verse 30 and the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners, tax collectors, people who are hated mm-hmm. in the world, looked at as crooks and sinners. And Jesus answered them, those who are well, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I have come not to call the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. And so it's just a super helpful, um, proof text, I think, for uh, this argument that you're making, Jordan, that Jesus did come for the vulnerable. And uh, in fact, um, you must recognize your own vulnerability before you even have access to God. And and God, by his spirit, shows us our need of him Hmm. and shows us the provision and
2: the blessing of Christ and his death. Um, So a couple things on that note. Um, One is those that are those that are exploiting the poor. So you've got you've got the poor in this passage and those that are exploiting the poor. I think we have we sometimes have a tendency to kind of demonize the ones that are exploiting the poor here. But it's actually I, I think they might have had like half noble intentions. Because what do you have? You have a famine that's going on, no food in the land, and so I think what they probably think they're doing is a good thing hmm. they're helping feed the people to keep them alive so in these desperate times even though they have to mortgage their lands and do all this stuff and they're becoming poor and kind of becoming enslaved in the process i, I think what they probably think that they're doing is like a pretty good thing it's not like these loan sharks that are out there just like yeah. viciously attacking the people and it's like so terrible and nehemiah gets out there which i, I think helps to maybe apply it more to our lives that um hmm. you know it, it because sometimes we can read a text like that and if we demonize certain characters we can say i'll i'm we never that per- ourselves. we can excuse ourselves <laughs> yeah. i'll never be that person you know oh i've seen those people you know but uh, but there actually may be ways that like we can internalize and, and have the Lord search our own hearts. And is there a way that I'm possibly participating in, you know, activities or, or whatever that might be exploiting yeah. the poor? Um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. <laughs> I think it's an important hermeneutical note,
0: right? I mean, whenever we read a passage of scripture, we like obviously to identify with the righteous person to to assume that we are the Nehemiah to assume that we are certainly not the ones who are exploiting and like in this passage we're probably our 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 human hearts would probably say first of all we'd like to identify with Nehemiah second of all we'd like to identify with the ones being exploited here right third of all you know hopefully we would never be identified with those who are doing the exploiting right um but the reality of the human condition and the beauty of the Bible, right, is that each one of those caricatures tell us something about ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, while we may not be loan sharks, we do things as humans, as fallen sinful humans, Mm -hmm. and as Christians who need to repent. We do things that exploit others. I mean, one of those one of those things is, um, the pornography industry Hmm. right now. Think about this. I mean, these women who are being exploited, um, and this, I don't know what the stats are, but I know they're astounding Mm -hmm. regarding how many folks are, you know, regularly viewing pornography. And so like in that regard, no, you're not a loan shark, but but there's still an area of exploitation in your life where you need to seek repentance and change. Yeah. And so like each of these characters in, in the story inform us of our need for Christ. Hmm. Hmm.
2: Yeah. I'll, I also look at those that are exploiting and I think, you know, what, obviously we have Nehemiah and his response and it was a very, uh, seems to be a very righteous, you know, we would say Christ like response. But I, I oftentimes think like, how should those guys have responded to this situation where there's like there's a there's a foreign king that's exacting all this tax and then a famine hits and it's like you know, desperate times, calls for desperate measures kind of deal. Yeah. So how should they react? And it it makes me think of the of the first church, you know, when mm-hmm. in Acts two, when Peter stands yeah. up and he preaches and three thousand come to faith. And then in Acts two and also in Acts four we see how they respond to the poor. Like you have people that are actually selling their land. Mm-hmm. So it's a total flip from these guys who are exploiting here in the mi 5, mm-hmm. that they're actually selling their lands, coming and laying it at the apostles' feet, and they're meeting the needs of everybody in there. Mm-hmm. So you just see a, a stark contrast between like a spiritless response to desperate times and then a spirit-filled response two desperate times. Yeah, Yeah. that's super helpful. And and I think Jason, he made the point
0: and I forget exactly where it was, but where, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us, you know, approach life in this very individualistic way where we're living this life, trying to get ours. And we fail to remember the fact that we are a part of an assembly. We're a part of Mm. a covenant family um, that God has called to himself. And, And of course, That is expressed in the local church, but it's also expressed in all Christians who profess Christ as king. And so like there is both of these things that that um, are at play. And certainly our culture would tell us, you know, eat what you kill, get yours and, Mm. um, you know, and, and give a little and give a little to those in need.
1: There was a book um, that Tim Chester wrote called Total Church several years ago, and he he gives this picture illustration that I, I still remember to this day is so helpful. You know, he he was talking about the difference between individualistic living and community living, and making the argument the point that God calls us into community. And so he has you know he has this picture of a person, and then all around him is this wheel of of things that they do right or participate in. So you know family and work and neighborhood and and one of those was church right like that that you that's how we tend to view things as mm. I'm an individual and I participate in these communities but then ultimately like what's what's at the center is me as the individual and and he he contrasts that with another picture of the person in community as that centerpiece mm. as that focal point in other words saying which I think is from the bible <laughs> God has saved you into a family. Mm-hmm. And so that identifies you now. So now as you think through all the rest of your life, you're called to view it in the context of, of community living. And, and that changes things, right? That, that I'm, of course I'm going to help my brother or sister Who's right. in need of help um not because it's something i have to do it's like this one thing i go and participate in but no this is like this is a part of who god has created me to be in community with mm-hmm. and and that's i mean I, I find that extremely helpful but it does it does raise a question i want to pose this to you guys you know so that this is talking about the the nation of israel the people of god and so it's all kind of existing within that community right and so we can we can apply it to okay now we live in you know christian community the church and so yeah we we shouldn't exploit you know those who are in in the church um how do you guys think we helpfully apply this passage when it comes to those outside the church Hmm. right is is this just a kind of in-person discussion you know that uh, well this is what's supposed to happen in the church but outside you can kind of do whatever you want is it equal you know is it equal that we're supposed to do the exact same things like how how do you how have you guys processed through that
2: yeah uh, that's a big question jordan and um you know uh jason brought up in his in his sermon yesterday deuteronomy 2319 Mm -hmm. and was talking you know uh moses was was relaying to the people of israel part of the mosaic law um that the that the people of israel were under it was very specific and very detailed about these type things um what what i think we really need to understand about the mosaic law is that there was a start and a stop to the Mosaic law. Jesus said he came not to abolish the law, but he did come to fulfill, to fulfill it. it yep. So he came to fulfill the law. And so, and, and then he brings on what the writer of Hebrews calls a better covenant. Yeah. So he brings on the new covenant, which is the covenant of the spirit. So we live under the spirit. We, we don't live under the Mosaic law. So, but in the Mosaic law, it was very detailed. And it was very laid out for them that you don't exact interest from your brothers from fellow Israelites, you can exact interest from foreigners. Mm-hmm. And so it was very easy. Um, they knew what to do. Now, these guys in Nehemiah 5, I think part of the issue that Nehemiah had with them is that they're forsaking the Mosaic law. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were going against the Mosaic law. They're charging interest to their brothers and they should not have. It was all laid out. Um, but now You know so so i I think i think we have to keep those things in mind when we try to apply old testament things to today and how we how we apply it to today so we don't have anything in the new testament that tells us whether we should exact interest to those inside the church whether we should exact interest from those outside the church um and Honestly, I think the New Testament is very intentional that it doesn't, that there's not a new law like that that is given to us that's very detailed because what is the essentially the law of the new covenant? It's to live by the spirit. Yeah. So there's not a certain formula that we're, that we're trying to do and not do in order to gain God's favor. We come to God through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, and he gives us his spirit and we live by the spirit. And so I I realize like sometimes that's difficult for Christians to hear because mm-hmm. it feels very vague. Well, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? And the answer is you live by the spirit. So you have the spirit of God within you. Is there sin in your life that's, that's quenching that spirit or hindering that spirit? Is there, um, you know, it, are you are you um are you actively walking by the spirit living by the spirit and if so i think god will lead you in wisdom to know how to handle different situations Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and i think that's really helpful and it doesn't doesn't make it uh simple necessarily right and and, i mean jason raised several complex you know social issues that are going on things that we experience on a daily basis is happening in culture um, so it do, so it does involve wisdom. It takes discernment. It takes us discussing and trying to figure out, OK, what's what's most helpful here? Um, but I do think, I mean, I d- just the fact that we've been given the spirit and I think about, OK, what does what is God making us to be? Well, God is making us to be more like Jesus, mm. right? And, and so I think that's to get back to what we were saying previously, that is so helpful in determining not just how I'm supposed to interact with Christians, but how I'm supposed to interact with the world. Be like, be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and when you look at Jesus and Jesus being God, right, you look at God in the old Testament, you see the consistency of a God who loves justice, who, practices mercy and compassion Mm. who cares about the sojourner and the widower and those outside of the community of faith Mm. and so i think it's it's a pretty clear thing i think that we can take from that of okay if i'm if if i am trying to be more like jesus in this world and in this day and age well i'm i yes i'm called to pursue justice where there's injustice i'm Mm. i'm called to practice mercy towards towards those maybe who don't don't deserve it um because i'm trying to be like him Mm -hmm.
2: so i think somebody might come back to jordan and say um okay uh i don't read anywhere in the gospels where jesus had the opportunity to you know, charge interest to a fellow, a fellow Israelite or had the opportunity to charge interest to a foreigner. And he did or did not charge that interest. Um, but I, I, I mean, I think what I hear you saying is that it's not that like Jesus did absolutely everything that we are going to face. And so he's going to give us the exact, way to do or not do certain things in certain situations i I think what i hear you saying is that like there's there's foundational uh characteristics of jesus that if we possess those things the spirit will lead us in how to and how to live out our faith so if we if we take on the humility of jesus that we read in philippians 2 if we take on his care and concern for the poor and the marginalized in our society that like we'll, we'll know how to act in a Christ-like way. I mean, is that? Yeah, I, I, I
1: think so. And, and I think we are, we will, we will increasingly learn how to do that, right? We're not going right. to do it perfectly, yeah. right? Um, it is confusing and complex at times, and and we can do things for the the right motive, and it can have a negative impact, right? Right. So we're. I don't think as Christians we're you know supposed to have this idea that if I truly have the spirit of mind of Christ, like I'll just do everything perfectly, mm. and it will always it will always produce like the desired outcome, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because society is complex. And, and you know, if we're speaking like salvation versus not, like what they ultimately need is the Lord, right? They, mm-hmm. they need a savior. Um, but yes, I do think that yet yeah, God, when I think about, okay, the law of the Old Testament, all the rules and regulations, and then the what the New Testament describes, the freedom mm-hmm. that God gives us, in, in this law of liberty, right? It's the law of the spirit. Hmm. We're called to live in the spirit now. What does that produce in us? Well, I do think it produces and helps us understand that there are characteristics to how we're called to live the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And and we should pursue those, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not an option for me to kind of pick and choose yeah. what the fruits of the spirit are. Let's take those right. as an example. Like, no, <laughs> God has given you the spirit. The spirit lives in a Christian. The spirit lives in me. And so now I I should be busy at the work of okay, how has God called me to practice these hmm. and
0: exhibit these in in the world around us? Yeah. That's good. I think um you know, what you guys are saying is super, super helpful. Mm. And I also think, you know, Barrett to what you were saying earlier, like as we take on the humility of Christ, as we take on the characteristics of Christ, as we show love, grace, and mercy to the people around us, we will have hearts that, you know, obviously are motivated by a love for God and that fleshes itself out in a love for people. We'll have all that. But then also applying this paradigm of Jesus having all authority, Mm having power having means and giving that up to bless the most vulnerable among us i think that is something that we very practically should think about like while while sure we live by the spirit you know we read the word we have our hearts and our minds renewed like with the word sure and that the spirit will use that mm-hmm. but we should also very practically be asking okay god what are the areas of my life where I have been blessed so much so that I can act really help someone in need. And that might be time, that might be knowledge, that might be r- relational, that mm-hmm. might be any number of things. and, and it certainly may be monetary. Um, but we we should be this this group of generous folks because we have had our greatest need. Supply.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, I think we have another great example in the apostle Paul himself, who mm-hmm. follows Jesus's example, uh, particularly in first Corinthians nine. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Paul is, is dealing with exactly what Nehemiah was dealing with in chapter five, where Nehemiah is basically saying like the King provided me with all this stuff and I didn't take it because i knew my brothers were suffering and so that is a very jesus way of responding to that situation and and paul does the same thing in first corinthians 9 where it talks about him surrendering his rights he says am i not free am i not an apostle have i not seen jesus our lord are not are not you my workmanship in the lord you know so he goes through all these questions like he's privileged in a in a sense that like he has um he, he has a status among these churches and and things like this but but then he says down uh, further on in the chapter he says nevertheless we have not made use of this right but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ and he goes on and he says for though I am free from all I have mm. made myself a servant of all servant to all that I may win more of them mm. and so he's he's refusing his rights he's surrendering his rights for the sake of of others mm. and so even though we may have a right to do certain things we can surrender those rights and that is a good and right and honorable thing to do in the sight of god and
1: what a good yeah what a good question when's when's the last time you relinquished your rights mm. for the sake of someone else wow
0: it's a good convicting. question it's a great question another helpful passage and there's we can end on this passage. there's a, i feel like we could talk a lot more about this mm. it's god's word it's yeah. kind of exhaustive. <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, and I think it, it does speak to I mean, much like a
1: sermon. Talk, talk backs I don't know how long we've gone, but you know, I think this is the blessing of having regularly uh, regular community and community discussion that some of these things need to be worked out in the context of your you know unique group. you the people that you interact with. I mean, been thinking of my community group and like how we're going to talk through this. So, yeah. okay, what does it look like for us as a community to do this? And I I just think that. That speaks of the unity that we have in Christ. That we're pursuing the same goal, uh, based on the same foundation, and and we live in a world that is that is trying to pull us apart and place us in different camps, right? A political Mm. camp, a demographic camp, you know, whatever it might be. And I just think as Christians, we have this wonderful opportunity to engage in robust discussion. But we can do that because we are relinquishing our rights, Mm. right? We're we're coming. And we're seeking to learn and we're seeking to grow because we're all trying to be like Jesus.
0: love it. A little passage in from uh, Galatians 6, 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially those who are of the household of faith. Guys, thanks for joining uh, today for the talk back uh, for Barrett Fisher and Jordan Coughlin and Blake Rogers. Thanks for listening.